Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as we conclude this morning. The book of 1 Thessalonians as our children are leaving. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This structure stands 500 feet tall. The concrete that is used to basically keep it in place on both sides is 182,000 cubic feet, actually cubic yards. And it's embedded deep into the bedrock of the Pacific Ocean. It's an interesting structure. It's an impressive structure. Two main towers with a road underneath, almost suspended there like a bridge with massive cables. Each cable is made of 27,000 strands of wire, 80,000 miles of wire in the main cables, and the bridge has approximately 1.2 million rivets. Can you guess what structure I'm talking about? Anybody? It's the Golden Gate Bridge. Now, I've been on the Golden Gate Bridge many times as my parents lived in San Francisco and as I went to, se- to seminary, and it's an engineering it's an engineering marvel. It's really considered one of the, the, the modern wonders of the world. It, it's interesting because they had to put the anchors deep within the bedrock of the Pacific Ocean so that it had a solid support system, a solid foundation, but yet it has to be nimble enough. It has to be, um, be able to move to have the freedom because it's a suspension bridge for the, the cars to go across it. Now, it took four years to complete back in the 1930s, four years to complete the Golden Gate Bridge. But seismic engineers believe that within 60 seconds, it could be destroyed if there was an earthquake of any type of magnitude where the epicenter could be higher than a, point, a seven earthquake. And so what the city of San Francisco has done is they have spent $400 million to retrofit the Golden Gate Bridge to help it withstand an 8.3 magnitude earthquake. Now, some of the world's strongest structures do not last forever. Tornadoes come. Tsunamis come. Floods come. Hurricanes come. And some of the greatest, strongest, most powerful structures in our world will crumble when the weather gets really crazy. Nothing lasts forever in these structures. It doesn't matter how, how, how powerful they are. But yet, when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to who we are in Christ, we have a foundation, we have a solid rock that will never be destroyed. When the winds and the waves and when Satan comes against you and all the things of this life come against you, You as a true Christian will not crumble. You as a true Christian will not fail. You will stand the test of time because God will make sure that he holds you securely in 
his grip. John MacArthur, a few months ago, and this came across Twitter and Facebook, said this, If you could lose your salvation, you would. If you could lose your salvation, you would. Now, here's the thing. He puts an if in front of there. If you could lose your salvation, you would. If you're a true Christian, God will make sure that you won't lose your salvation. He will make sure that you stay safe to the end. Because if it was up to you and me to keep ourselves saved, guess what? We would lose it every day. If it was up to you and me to keep ourselves saved, we would lose that salvation every day because we're sinners and we're prone to wander. But God will keep us to the end. As we bring 1 Thessalonians to a close, we're going to explore this final defining mark of what it means to be a gospel-centered church. And if you remember, Paul has been using the word peace here in the very last section of 1 Thessalonians, that we are to be a church family that lives at peace with one another. Brothers and sisters in Christ who live at peace, to be a gospel-centered church. And and we ask the question, well, what does it look like to be gospel-centered? Well, we've seen four marks of that already. What were the four things we've seen over the past few weeks? Number one, we joyfully follow the leadership of our elders. Number two, we patiently encourage one another in areas of weakness and sin. Thirdly, we display Christ-like attitudes. Rejoice always, pray always, be thankful always. Fourthly, last week we looked at we'd wisely discern the work of the Spirit. We don't want to quench the Spirit. We want to to make sure that we are are, are honoring the work of the Holy Spirit. And here we come to the fifth and final mark. And it's really a glorious way to end this book. So here's what it is. Here's the the fifth mark of a gospel-centered church where we're living a healthy life as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's this. You confidently rest in God's faithfulness to save you to the end. You confidently rest in God's ultimate faithfulness to save you to the end. So let's look in our Bibles at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 23 through the end of the chapter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 through the end. Now, may the God of peace, there's that word peace again, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with the holy kiss. Aren't you glad I didn't make you do that this morning during the welcome time? Husbands and wives, it's okay. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's a powerful way to end 1 Thessalonians. That God will confidently and most assuredly save us to the end. Notice what it says there. God himself will sanctify you completely. He'll make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God will do this. God will make sure that if you're truly a Christian, you will be ready for the day of Christ's second coming. You will be ready for heaven. He will surely do it. Now this is none other than the doctrine of what we call eternal security 
or some like to call it the perseverance of the saints. So what is, what is perseverance of the saints? What is eternal security? Well, how do we define it? Well, one of the best definitions comes from the best Baptist confession of faith, the second London Baptist confession. And so I've put this up on the screen because I think it's probably the best statement of what we're talking about when we talk about eternal security. So let's look at this definition. Those whom God has accepted in Christ, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, and given the precious faith of His elect, can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock by which faith they're fastened upon. Notwithstanding through unbelief and the temptations of Satan, and they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraved upon the palm of his hands and their names having been written, in the book of life from all eternity. What does this mean? Eternal security. Perseverance of the saints. This is a bedrock truth that we hold dearly to at Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's a precious belief that we believe that you, if you're truly a Christian, you can neither totally nor finally lose that. You can't lose your salvation if you're a true Christian. You can't fall away from a state of grace. You can't put yourself out of God's grip. You can't sin so bad that somehow you've lost what God has given you. Because God has written your name in the Lamb's book of life from all eternity. And God does not use an eraser. It's permanent. So what I want to do this morning is take us on a journey. And I want us to explore just some key passages in the Bible that teach this precious belief that you can't lose your salvation. This precious belief of eternal security. And what I want us to do is I want it to to cause us to worship God more deeply. To be encouraged that God has us in His grip. To rest in His security. To rest in His faithfulness. To keep you saved to the end. Now, why is it so important to focus on eternal security? You know, there's some people that abuse eternal security. Here's the the thought process they have. Once saved, always saved, so I can live however I want. I'm so glad that God loves to forgive because I really love to sin, and so it's a great arrangement, so I will sin all that I want because, after all, I can't lose my salvation, so I might as well send it up and live however I want because after all, once saved, always saved. That's the farthest from the truth. Your eternal security in God's grip is not an excuse for you to go sin your heart out. The question you should not be asking is this. You should not be asking, well, since I'm saved and God loves to forgive, how much sin can I get away with in my life? That's not the question you should be asking. The question you should be asking is this. God has graciously saved me. God has rescued me from the pit. God has saved me from hell and sin. And out of gratitude for what he's done for me, how can I live a life of holiness that pleases him? That's the ultimate question we should be asking. 
You know, Paul answers this, uh, this objection in Romans chapter 6. Because for, for all these chapters, chapters 4 and 5 in Romans, he's been building a case that salvation's by grace, salvation's by grace. It's a free gift of grace. It's, it's salvation by grace. And, the, and some people might think, well, if it's by grace, and God saves me by grace, and God loves to forgive, then I might as well just keep on sinning. So God keeps on forgiving. And Paul says, by no means. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Go back and look at verse 23 in 1 Thessalonians. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify you completely. Now, that doesn't mean that you're ever going to be perfect in this life, but what God's goal is for you is to grow to be more like Jesus. To grow to be more like Jesus. And so God is working in you this holiness to become more like Christ. And you're never going to be complete in this life, but God wants you to be ever increasing, to ever be growing, to be pursuing holiness. So it's not an excuse to live however you want, because once saved, always saved. Notice verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Do what? What will he surely do? Well, he's going to make sure that you're sanctified, that you're pure, that you're blameless on the day of Christ. So when Jesus comes back and you are still alive or you go to heaven, you will be ready for that day. You will be purified. You will be sanctified. You will be blameless on that day. God is faithful to make sure that happens. Thinking about this truth, should bring joy to your hearts. Because as the Baptist Confession says, when the storms of life batter against you, and when the temptations of Satan come against you, and when you're caught up in all of the things of this life that happen to you, we need to sometimes step back and say, now wait a minute. God has me in his hands. God is faithful. God will sustain me to the end. Because let me just ask some of you here this morning. Don't raise your hands, please. Are some of you discouraged? Are some of you tired? Are some of you waffling in your faith? Are some of you just like, I just want to give up on this Christianity thing. I'm discouraged. Maybe some of you are dealing with some temptations right now. And maybe you're losing heart. And maybe you're thinking, maybe God doesn't love me because I keep struggling with this sin over and over again. Let me just give you some encouragement this morning. If you're truly one of God's child, if you're truly His, you can rest in God's unchanging and un, unaltering faithfulness to make sure that he will make you ready. And think about this. God doesn't go halfway. What God starts, God completes. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. What God has started, he will finish. God is faithful. So what I want to do is look at just a few powerful verses that should give us hope this morning. If you're discouraged, 
If you're waffling, if you're wondering, if you're, if you're thinking, man, I must have sinned myself out of God's graces, or, or maybe you're just struggling with your salvation this morning, if you're truly a, a child of God, if you're truly saved, if you're truly born again, let these verses bring you hope that God will never let you go. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 6 for just a minute. Let's listen to the words of Jesus. Turn in your Bibles real quick. We're going to be in John, and then we're going to be in Romans, and then we'll come back to 1 Thessalonians. But the words of Jesus in John 6, listen to these powerful words of our Savior. In John 6, 37 through 40. John 6, 37 through 40. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. This is where Jesus is telling them he's the bread of life. John six thirty seven. These are the words of Jesus. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you see the power in Jesus' words here? Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. So before the foundation of the world, the Father gave you as a love gift to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, what does Jesus say? I will never cast you out. I will never kick you out. I will never lose you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to raise you up on the last day. So Jesus does not cast you out if you've come to him. If you've believed in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, from the very words of Jesus himself, I will never cast you out. I will never cast you out. Turn over in John chapter 10 for just a minute. John 10. This is where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and he's talking about his sheep. In John chapter 10, in verse 27, these are some other powerful words of Jesus. Again, what does Jesus say? If you've come to me in faith, I will never cast you out. I will never lose you. I will raise you up on the last day. And listen to these powerful statements of Jesus. John 10, 27 and following. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Notice what Jesus says there in verse 28. I give them eternal life. Now, if Jesus gives something, is he going to give it back? I give them eternal life. And then he says, They will never perish. It's in a double negative in the original language, meaning no, not ever. They will never, never, no, not ever perish. Why will we never perish if Jesus has saved us? Because he says something very powerful. Jesus says, you're in the grip of my hand and you're in the grip of the Father's hand. You are in a double grip and no one can come and snatch you out of that hand. Praise the Lord. Nothing can snatch you out of that hand. Satan can't snatch you out of that hand. Temptations can't snatch you out of that hand. Sin can't snatch you out of that hand. Even you yourself can't snatch yourself out of that hand. Why? Because God is powerful. He's made a promise to save you. And Jesus says, I will never cast you out. I'll never cast you out. 
Go to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. Russell, one of our elders, read this earlier as we opened up the service. Romans chapter 8. This is another encouraging word about what God does when he saves us. Romans 8, 35 and following. And Paul asks a question here and then he answers it. And here's the question, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Good question, right? What separates us from God's love? Is there anything in this world, is there anything in this universe that would somehow separate us from God's love? If you're truly a Christian, if you've come to Christ, if you're in God's hand, if you've believed in Jesus, what can separate you? And Paul answers it. Let's see what he says. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure, I'm confident of this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He covers the gamut there. There's nothing that you could even think of in this universe that would be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus if you've truly come to Him in faith. If you've come to Jesus in faith, If you've believed in him, if you're truly saved, Jesus says, I will never cast you out. I will lose none that the Father has given me. And Paul here says, nothing in this entire universe can separate you from the love of Christ. Colossians chapter 3 on your screen. You've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you'll also appear with him in glory. Think about this whole idea of being hidden in Christ. When you became saved, it's like God tucked you away and God hid you and God protected you and you're, you're in his grip and you're, and you're hidden away until the coming of, of the second coming. And when he comes and when he reveals himself, he's going to get you. He's going to take you home. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Now, what type of inheritance, what type of heaven is waiting for us? Well, he gives three definitions, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And where is it? He says it's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. When Paul says our inheritance is kept, the original language means it's on permanent reserve. It's, it's on reservation there. God has your name. God has your reservation. God doesn't lose the reservation. So when you get to heaven and you check in at the front desk, it's not like God says, we lost your reservation. Let me see your MasterCard. God doesn't do that. God has it on permanent reserve. And God says he's guarding you. That word guarding in the original language is often used of troops that came and supported a city, troops that came and surrounded uh, for battle. It's, It's this whole idea that God is actively protecting us. He's protecting us from Satan. He's protecting us from ourself. He's protecting us from sin. He's shielding us. He's guarding us. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9. Christ 
who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice again, Paul says God will sustain you. God will make sure you're, you're guiltless, you're blameless. God will make sure you're ready for that final day. Why? Because He's faithful. God is faithful to do that. God has made a promise to you. Jesus says, I'll never cast you out. I'll never lose you. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You're hidden with God. Christ will sustain you to the end. You're being guarded. You're being kept. God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, some of you may be thinking, now, wait a minute. I understand that. God is faithful. But I know my heart. I'm unfaithful. What happens if I sin? What happens if I stumble? What happens if I do something really stupid? What happens if I, if I get myself in a position where I wonder, does God still love me? Does God still have me? Can God still keep me? God's faithful, but I'm unfaithful. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. I cannot understand a gospel which lets saints fall away after they're called and suffers the children of God to be burned in the fires of damnation after having once believed in Jesus. Such a gospel I hate. And this is what he says. If ever it should come to pass that, sh- that sheep of Christ might fall away, my fickle, feeble soul, alas, would fall a thousand times a day. If left to ourselves, we would fall a thousand times a day. But praise God, he does not leave us to ourselves. God is faithful to sustain us to the end. We are faithless. We struggle, we sin, and it's not up to us to keep ourselves in the faith. God holds us there. God sustains us. God is bigger than whatever, whatever you're dealing with this morning, whether it's a sin, whether it's a failure, whether it's a temptation, whether it's a struggle, whether it, whatever it is in your life this morning, it's a storm that's coming at you. Let me just give you the encouragement from the Word of God. God is bigger than anything that you're facing this morning, and God will sustain you to the end if you're truly one of his children. Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who's able, able to do what? Powerful to do what? To keep you from what? Stumbling. Stumbling. Losing your salvation. He's able to keep you from stumbling out of his grace. And to do what? We've been looking at this all along. To present you blameless, to present you guiltless, to present you holy before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. God is powerful to present you blameless on that day. So on that day when Jesus Christ comes back, you won't be naked or ashamed standing there in your own righteousness because somehow you're afraid that you haven't made it. God says if you're truly one of His, If you've come to Christ in faith, Jesus says, I'll never cast you out. I won't lose you. I'll raise you up on the last day. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You're hidden in Christ. You're being guarded in Christ. You've got a heaven reservation there waiting for you. And God is powerful to keep you from stumbling. Not because you deserve it. Not because somehow you've earned it or somehow you're good enough for it. But it's simply because in grace, God chose to save you. So let's just think about these glorious truths for a moment. Before the foundation of the world, God set his electing love on you and chose you to be saved. And it wasn't because you were all that. It was because God loved you. 
And then at a point in time, God was gracious enough to send the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin, to open your eyes, and he gave you the gift of repentance and faith, and you trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. And when you trusted in Christ for salvation, you got the promise from from God that all who come to me, I will never cast out. So God has got you permanently in his hands, and even right to this day, Right now, God is working in you faith. God is working in you grace. God is working by the Holy Spirit to keep you, keep you in the faith so that you know that on that final day, whether you die or whether Jesus comes back, you will be ready to meet him because he will sustain you through the end. So what do you do as you're waiting for the second coming? That's what all this book's about, 1 Thessalonians. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians for a minute. He's talked about the coming of the Lord all throughout this book. The second coming of Jesus. Jesus hasn't come back yet, so what do we do in the meantime? What do we do as we wait for the second coming? Do we just kind of sit around and twiddle our thumbs? No, you confidently rest in God's ultimate faithfulness to save you to the end. And Paul says here, God will surely do it. And he's doing it in each other. Here's where it becomes corporate. We can, we can oftentimes make this whole issue of eternal security very privatized and say, thank God I'm saved. But do you realize he's doing this in each of us? So we can look our brothers and sisters in Christ in the eye this morning, those that are struggling, those that are discouraged, those that are tired, those that are faint-hearted, those that are weak, those that are struggling. We can look each other in the eye and say, listen, listen. God is faithful to get you to the end. God will surely do it. He will sustain you. He loves you. He will do it. He will make sure that you don't get out of his grip. God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, let me give a word of warning here. God is faithful to himself. And God is faithful to get true believers to the end. But God is also faithful to his word in this. If you're not a Christian, if you've not trusted in Christ, if you've not received Jesus as Savior, God is faithful. And here's how his faithfulness is played out. There's a place called hell. There's a place of justice. There's a place of wrath. And if you have not trusted Christ for salvation, these promises are not for you. These promises are not for you if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you do not have the assurance walking out of here today that you will have eternal life. You don't have the assurance that God will will sustain you to the end. Those promises are only for those who've come to him in faith. So what are you waiting for this morning? If you've never trusted in Christ for salvation, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never owned up to your guilt, if you've never seen that you are a sinner, that you you deserve hell, you deserve separation, and that your only hope is to cast yourself at the mercy of Christ, the Bible says do it today, call upon Jesus today, and the promise of the Bible is that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you call upon Jesus today, if you trust him, then these promises can be true for you. I don't want anybody to leave this place without having the assurance deep in their heart that Jesus will never cast them out. But you've got to come to him first. All who come to me, I will never cast out. You've got to come to Jesus first. You've got to believe in Jesus first. You've got to surrender your life to him first. Then those promises are good for you. In the meantime, what do we do? Well, we live out what we've learned in 1 Thessalonians. We joyfully submit to leadership. We patiently encourage one another in areas of weakness. We display Christ-like 
attitudes. We, we don't stifle the working of the Holy Spirit. But notice the very last verse. Verse 28. The very last verse of the book. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace. Don't ever forget that you and I need grace. We don't just need grace to get saved. Yes, we do, but we need grace every day. We need God's sustaining grace. You and I cannot live the Christian life without God's amazing grace in our lives every day. We are desperate for his grace. We're desperate for his power. But notice what Paul says there. What we're desperate for, God provides. Notice what he says in verse 24. He who calls you faithful, he will surely do it. Do what? He'll give you the grace to be able to make it from day to day, to stay in the faith, to be secure to the end. Have you thought that maybe God has forgotten you this morning? Maybe you're so discouraged to think, you know what, maybe God has just forgotten about me. Maybe God's forsaken me. Maybe, God, maybe God's mad at me. Maybe God's wanting to kick me out. God wants to kick me out of the house. There's an awesome passage of Scripture in the, in the book of Isaiah that I want to encourage you with, especially for those of you that are into tattoos. Got your attention, right? Like, what's he talking about? Right, Isaiah 49, 13 through 16. Isaiah 49. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You see the image there? God himself says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. And that refers to the old Hebrew practice of tattooing. Either with henna or even with um, like a burn mark. And so in this poetic language, God in a sense is saying this, if you are mine, I have a permanent tattoo in my hand of you. Which means that since it's a permanent tattoo, it can never be erased. And why is it in my hand? Because I hold you in my grip. And no one can pluck you out. And when was that happening? It happened before the foundation of the world. And God makes the promise to say, if you're truly mine, I'm going to hold you to the end. That's why we sing the song, Oh No, You Never Let Go. You never let go of me. You never let go. I am so thankful that God never lets go. Where would we be this morning if God let go? Run with that in your mind and think about where you would be this morning if God let you go. But he says to Israel and he says to us, I've not forgotten you. I've not forsaken you. I've got you engraved on the palm of my hand. You're in my grip. I've got you powerfully right where you need to be. Confidently rest in God's ultimate faithfulness to save you to the end. Now I'm going to be a good pastor and do what Paul does here as the ultimate pastor. 
Paul has been saying this all along in the book of Thessalonians, and I'm going to say it to you. Therefore, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Spend this week encouraging those around you with these words. Oh no, you never let go. You never let go of me. Let me ask you to bow your heads this morning. And maybe you're here this morning and you're just, you're struggling in your faith. And you know deep in your heart that you've trusted Christ for salvation and you know you're a Christian. You just need to hear the words of comfort this morning from the scriptures that you can have the assurance of salvation. That there's a God in heaven who's got his name has got your name engraved on his hands and he holds you in his grip. So would you spend some time in prayer this morning and just go to this great God and thank him and praise him for holding you in his grip. Thank him that he never lets go. Find encouragement in these words. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, these aren't words of encouragement yet. These are words of warning. So would you spend time crying out to Jesus for salvation for the very first time so that these promises can be yours this morning. Would you spend time in prayer? Father, I can think of no more glorious truth than to hear the words of Jesus. Jesus, you tell us that those who come to you, you will never cast out. You will lose none that the Father's given to you. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Jesus, we are hidden in you. Jesus, we have an inheritance on permanent reserve and we're being guarded and protected by you. And Jesus, you'll sustain us to the end and make sure that we don't fall, that we don't stumble because our names are engraved on the palm of your hands. May we rest in this truth today, Lord. Would you comfort those this morning who may be struggling? Would you bring comfort to those who just need to hear a word that God has not given up on them? God has not forsaken them? Will we rest in this truth? That you're going to sustain us to the end. That you will do it. You are faithful. You will do it. It's not up to us to do it. It's up to you. We're so thankful for that truth. Lord, for others in this room that have never done that, or those that are sitting here in this room that have never trusted you for the, for the very first time, Jesus, they've never confessed their sins, may today be their day of salvation. May today be the day they realize that they need you, Jesus, as their Savior. And when they call out to you in faith and in repentance and come to you, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you never let go. We ask this in your name. Amen.